0: Podcast about all of college football. I'm your host Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined by co-host Ryan Donnelly. Uh, Ryan, we're going to start this show with a, uh, a thought that I had last night that I, I want to just I'm just going to share at the very start of the show. Uh, I don't think that you're going to agree with me, but I just I want to say it because I would like to put it out there, even though I know that it's probably not going to happen. Um, I think whoever wins the Pac-12 championship is going to win the national championship. That's where I'm at. I think it's going to be Oregon or Washington. I'm ready to believe that.
1: Hmm. I think it's going to be the Alequip Equips of Pennsylvania's uh, 4A Whippy Old Championships. Uh-huh. Um, I think they've got the goods this
0: year. It seems like they do. They were—I I saw that video you posted. They were what is it—the wing tee that they're running? They've got—they've got some good shit going on. Oh there.
1: yeah, yeah, they love that wing tee. Uh, is... They're a
0: nasty bunch of motherfuckers, man. They've gone through like—they've now won the
1: last maybe six years, Damn. I think Whippy Old Championships with uh, with three different head coaches because Paul Warfield left. Yeah, they had um. Uh, Mike Z, I think his last name is some classic long ass Polish name I can't pronounce. Uh-huh. Um, but he he retired after forever. Then they brought in Warfield, and Warfield retired. Yeah. And now they have some new guy, and they won Else again. It's nuts, man. They're they're a
0: crazy group of guys. We love uh, we we really love an overachieving high school program that does just that is just so committed to the triple like like running an offense from the fifties oh, yeah. or sixties because the thing is. It works. You could just do that. I don't know why more high schools don't just do that and a lot do, especially in our in our neck of the woods, in our traditional region of the country where we both you have, you know, high school affiliations. There's a lot of teams running the triple and it works. If you're good at it, it works. You could just do it. Uh, so we love that.
1: I will say what's crazy too though is like the triple is amazing. There is like a relatively I don't know if I have data to back this, but just intuitively it feels like there's a relatively higher rate of injury when you win the triple. Yeah. Just based on how many run plays you're doing. But and they only have there's 118 boys in the school. I think their team is usually like 30 or 40 guys. That's crazy. And they're playing up three classifications to four A. Damn. And they already won one state title there. They made the finals again last year and lost like a big private school. Um, the same one that produced Noah Spence. Hmm. Um and uh if they make it again this year, which they seem pretty likely to do, there's a chance they'll have to play up to the 5A level, which is playing up four levels. Damn. Uh, there will be schools with as many as five, uh, five times the number of high school boys they have enrolled. That's crazy. Um,
0: yeah, they fucking rock, dude. Yeah. Shout out to Alec yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's... Uh... That's a, that's a tiny roster. That, that That's not easy to do. Um, anyway, well, this is not the high school uh, football episode here. This is the week 13. Well, thir- nothing else to talk about. Yeah, yeah nothing else could. going on. This is the week 13 <laughs> recap. The regular season has come to a close in college football. Um, this one, I, I'm far from the only person to say this. It flew by. I don't know if you feel like that as well. This season yeah, just sure. yeah. just flew by um and uh, uh unfortunately as we're going to talk about here uh through this show still really not a whole lot of upsets there was there was one on saturday there was one but it was of the team that was like very clearly the most easily upset of the bunch um and then it was a whole lot of like mm. fairly I, I mean of the of the top 9 i think that there was one who was obviously likely to get upset more than I think there were I think there were two and one of them won. yeah Yeah. um but there were a lot of close games at this this unmoving top uh you know the top level of like serious playoff contenders there were obviously there was at least you know there was the matchup between two teams up there that we're going to talk about at the end of the show Uh, so if you are looking for Ohio state and Michigan discussion, we are going to save that for the last section of this podcast, because we're going to go long on it. Uh, and we want to get the other stuff out of the way before we do that. Um, but it was a lot of close games for those teams and then save for Louisville. They all still won. They all still found a way in, in some cases, increasingly ridiculous fashion. Um, and, uh, we're still kind of just trucking along in the season of no upsets and it's, uh, it's a bummer. It's a bummer that the last really the last season of college football where those upsets would be like super impactful potentially completely changing the national landscape uh, and we don't get any we just we're just stuck with it for the whole season um, it's a bummer it's it's not it's not fun. I don't I don't love that. No I mean I don't know man what can you do?
1: It's just the sports sometimes right like this is a particularly, yeah. particularly chalkier. Um, we've talked about it before I Talked about it a few weeks ago uh I have a positive outlook this on this and I'm of the opinion that we are in a temporary bubble uh where the concentration of talent at the uh at the four team playoff level like the early head start the major programs had an Nil uh the transfer portal had not having not yet totally eroded depth at a lot of rosters I think we're at kind of the bubble of chalkiness and this stuff will start to subside and return to where it was like pre-2019 levels soon yeah um maybe that's just wishful thinking but it's kind of my honest perception of how
0: the next few years will play out based on kind of the changes coming to the sport yeah i think that that is i think that's fair i think depth is is playing probably the largest role in all of this right like there's obviously top end talent makes a difference but we saw in the first couple weeks of the season the we we talked about it in the first couple of weeks of the season the more physical team not necessarily the better team winning a lot of games and that has kind of gone away down the stretch and i think it's because of depth or lack thereof for everybody outside of the top 8 or so um and that will probably that'll probably dip right as as we as we go along and as not only as the portal continues to be you know very common uh if not outright expected for guys who are two or three years into a top program and not on the field a ton um and as there are more teams now that you can transfer to and and have a serious chance at competing for a national championship I think that that will that will decline a little bit I do worry that it's just going to go from being like roughly a seven or eight team bubble to like a 16 team bubble which at least means that there will be more good games and the peripheral of of that will be easier to pick off. It's it's going to be easier to beat sixteen, fifteen, fourteen, thirteen, obviously, than it is the top eight. But um, it, it's right now. It's not great. It's not. It's not. It's not super fun to watch. It's not been the most compelling college football season. And I think that this is another Saturday that had a lot of good games, a lot of fun games, and then bad results for the most part, which is a bummer because it, it's you know. I enjoy the good football, but it would be nice to get something that is good at, at some point. Yeah.
1: I, I would like more entertaining product again. I mean, hopefully uh, the concentration at the top this year produces some good playoff games, good conference title games. Um, but we shouldn't have to sacrifice the entire season for that. No, um, We should be able to have both. Yeah. So that would be cool. Yeah. Um,
0: Oh, well, <laughs> oh well. Uh, well, before... uh, in the meantime we've got some games to talk about, right? We do. And before um, we do that, we should probably tell people about homefield and about Mean at midfield.com. Um, which one do you want to do?
1: Yeah, I'll talk about Homefield. Uh, homefield apparel is our main sponsor. Um, they are the purveyors of the internet's best vintage style collegiate apparel. Um, I just got a big load of Christmas gifts for some family members uh, from Homefield using their Black Friday sale. Um, that sale is now over. However, uh, you still can uh, use the code meet at midfield, uh, all one word for fifteen percent off your first order. They have sweatshirts, they have hoodies, they have long sleeves, short sleeves, uh, joggers, hats. I um, think there's some shorts in there sometimes. Just uh, jackets, of course, just an incredible mix of gear. Um, I was wearing three layers of homefield on Saturday. Uh, little oh, good yeah. that it did me. i'm gonna I'm gonna have to start experimenting with different uh, different numbers of home field apparel items. Uh, future games kind of figure out the right mix that results in wins um yeah but uh yeah the gear is fantastic very comfortable very stylish about half of our crew for the game was wearing it so uh the people love Homefield. it's in the streets of new york it's out there it's it's beloved
0: um uh, enjoy it and and uh and buy some yeah and congratulations uh to Homefield connor on his recent victory over tom allen you did it we're happy for you mm-hmm. uh you, <laughs> you got the job done and it was only through the support of home field's loyal fans who buy the shirts and contribute to the tom allen uh, disappearing fund they've successfully disappeared tom allen uh, very happy for them on that front um, i'm going to tell you about MeetAtMidfield.com. midfield.com that's our website uh, you've certainly heard us talk about it on here before unless you are brand new to the show which if you are Welcome. Um, Meet at midfield is a place for really just for just about everything that you would be interested in in college football. Um, I do a weekly scheme story, breaking down just some of the cool stuff that I see around college football from any number of levels. A couple weeks ago, I was despondent over the the boredom at the P5 level and just jumped down to FCS exclusively, uh, or FCS and G5 exclusively for a week um, all kinds of cool stuff in there. I don't do trick plays. And so you don't have to worry about that. There's, there's no, I'm, I'm, I'm anti-trickery of any, of any form, only good real football plays, uh, as well as of course the weekly watch list. You do the Sunday hangover, um, Sundays, usually Sundays or Mondays. Uh, you have a weekly column. We have Ohio State coverage from Kevin Harris. We have some Michigan coverage from Taylor Fulton. They both do other stuff as well, Um, And then we have premium episodes of this podcast, premium episodes of High Street Freaks that you do with Kevin, we have the message board, which was electric this weekend, as you can imagine, and will continue to be as we even go into the postseason now. And, you know, fewer games does not mean less interest on the message board. This is an all year round thing. This is a, a place where you can get uh, I, I think very intelligent, very in-depth conversation on a message board, which is not something that you're gonna get really anywhere else in this sport. Um, and we are continuing to add contingents from other fan bases, other schools uh with really each passing day each passing week, there are budding fan bases on there from all over the place um and we would love to uh we'd love to add you if you are you know a fan of a school that you don't think is being represented very well right now, and uh, that could be you know maybe you're a maybe you're an arizona state fan maybe you are a maybe you're a Tulsa fan um probably not but maybe you are maybe you're an nIU fan uh get on the board we love to talk shop with you we love all of college football and that is what the website is for um I don't think we have any codes going right now I believe that the codes that we're going are are kaput but uh still come on over join us uh we would love to have you ryan you want to talk some some football here
1: yeah, hell yeah, dude. Um let's start with the Friday games. I mean, we had the Egg Bowl on Thursday and a couple of Tuesday games uh before you and I last spoke, but yeah. nothing um nothing too earth-shattering there. I think we're just going to stick to the Friday and Saturday games. Yeah, the Egg Bowl sucked. Um,
0: the, the Egg Bowl was not fun at all. It was Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. it was a real disappointment this year.
1: Big bummer. Um yeah, but uh on Friday, um we kind of opened up the day with Tulane winning 29-16 over UTSA. Uh, which secured them the AAC title game bid. Uh, There's also a Saturday game where SMU beat Navy 59-14. Uh, that will be their opponent. We'll kind of lump together a couple of these, like, paired conference title games. Yeah. Um, so uh, we had Tulane beating uh, UTSA 29-16. Uh, UTSA kind of pushed for a couple of late drives, the chance to come back, which couldn't quite get it done. That Tulane defense was pretty stifling. Yeah. Um, I was pretty impressed by them. Um, yeah, man, t- tough result for UTSA to end the season, uh, but still a, a – Really good year for them and a, and a really impressive, you know, kind of final victory for Tulane. They've been kind of listless for a few weeks, uh, for a few months, really, even. But these last two weeks, they've they kind of stepped back up to the plate and gotten the job done.
0: Yeah, um, and they did it here in a way that, you know, would seem different for them than what you would expect from a, a traditional, you know, Willie Fritz team. But like... They've been pretty good defensively this season all year. Um, Really, their offense has kind of been a bigger issue than the defense, which is very strange. But they were great defensively here. Uh, UTSA only had a 37% success rate. Uh, I believe UTSA also turned the ball over five times, which is not really a great approach for winning this kind of game. They had several in the first quarter, uh, kind of dug a hole for themselves. Michael Pratt did not have a a particularly good game. It was mostly Makai Hughes for Tulane's offense, which it has been for a little while now. He's a really good player. Um, But UTSA, even though it was able to... It it moved the ball at a decent level. It just was not finishing drives in the end zone, and it had had too many turnovers. That's really what it came down to. You just can't have that many turnovers in a game like this where the margins are thin and expect to win. I, I, I think that if you cut those away... I mean, the turnover luck here, which is not a perfect metric, but it does do a pretty good job. Uh, 14.2 points in Tulane's favor, which is the difference of the game plus one. Um, yeah, that, that, one che- that would about check out to me. One turnover, two turnovers, okay, maybe we can live with that. Five is a little much. Five is a little bit much to deal with, and it, it ended up being too much for UTSA to overcome here. Um, I don't have anything to say about SMU Navy. I'm curious about Preston Stone's health. Because uh, I know he yep. went down in this game. I don't know what his status is for the AAC title game. Honestly, I think Tulane probably wins that game regardless. But SMU certainly isn't winning if it doesn't have him. If it has him, at least they could be competitive.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it should be a lot more interesting if he does play. They have some other pieces, of course. But he is kind of the um, the straw that stirs the drink for them a lot on offense. And uh, offense is the only thing they have because that defense sucks. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, I'm curious to watch it play out. Uh, I do think it will have major implications on the uh, g 5s near six bid. I am curious to hear if Liberty is able to make a push with a yeah uh, with an undefeated season. But I, I think it's pretty likely at this point, uh, based on the results we got over the weekend, that it's coming down to either Tulane or Liberty. Uh, yeah, is... unless both lose in Toledo. Doors its
0: way in? Do we know... I, I, I'm I asking because I don't know exactly what the rules are. Is James Madison just going to the lowest possible bowl game, or are they allowed to be...
1: No, no, no. For? They aren't treated like a regular bowl team. They're not going okay. anywhere.
0: Because I feel like they, um, they should be in that conversation as well. Yeah,
1: um, and I guess we don't know how the committee views them at all because they yeah. weren't allowed to be ranked by the committee until this week, not yeah. eligible. Um. So I guess... the But they also would be playing for a conference title, right? Yeah. Like the Sun Belt has not made them eligible, so I think it's pretty unlikely. Maybe if all three uh, of Toledo, Tulane, and uh, Liberty were to lose their conference title games, those teams would have a shot.
0: I think they might even—honestly, I think they might just need Tulane to lose. I I, I think that if the committee is forced to look past the AAC and um, presumably for the first time all season actually looks at James Madison's resume— I think it could easily get in over over Liberty or Toledo, given the way that the committee generally has treated those those two conferences, which is to say not especially well, um, which I, I think uh, I think James Madison would be the most deserving on the bunch. But I don't know if they're going to be able to do it.
1: Maybe the last few weeks have not been super kind to their uh, to their resume. I mean, they have. Yeah. What is it? They do have eight wins over bowl teams, which is pretty nuts. Uh, and the Sun Belt is the conference sending the most teams to bowl games in the country, uh, with 12, Damn. crazy 12 other four teams teams are going bowling. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty impressive. Uh, but only two of those are, are quality wins by the committee standards. It's this coastal team that's seven and five, uh, and Troy, which is 10 and two. Yeah. Uh, I think a Troy win, the Sunbelt title will go a long way towards helping James Madison. But I, I think just like looking at it, even, I mean, uh, Toledo has three wins against quality opponents. Um, one of those is the Miami, Ohio team that I think is probably viewed a little bit worse than, but comparable to Troy. Yeah. Chance um, to get another one then, this
0: weekend, too, because they're going to play them again.
1: Yep, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, uh, fair enough. And then Liberty, I mean, does have wins over Bowling Green, Mexico State, Jacksonville State, Western Kentucky. Yeah. All quality teams, plus Old Dominion's a bowl team as well. Uh, and should pick up another one this weekend over mm. New Mexico State again. We'll see. Um, New Mexico State is, we'll a, see. is a handful yeah. right now. <laughs> uh, fair enough. I'm talking in the context of where they'd be undefeated.
0: Yes. Um
1: yeah. But I, yeah, I I think James Madison is a very tough uphill climb because they can't add anything else to it. And as it stands, they're already behind three or four teams. They would need a lot of a lot of good breaks going their way. But they will play in a good bowl game. Yeah. They will probably play like I could very easily see them play like an NC state in a bowl game or something like that. Yeah. Uh, which would be a fun game. Um I'll keep an eye on them. I, I'm kind of skeptical of the New Year's Six thing, but uh, you know, I uh, I'm happy they got they got eligible.
0: Yeah, I, I might do some kind of story this week about just the teams who could be still in contention from the G five for that that bid and kind of power ranking just the vibes of them and where I'm at with those teams and, and what I who I would like to see. Um 'cause uh it's interesting. I'm I'm curious to see who they draw who mm-hmm. whatever the team is that represents the G five. Uh, who they draw? There's obviously stuff still to happen at the P5 level that will determine that, but I, I think there's several good options. I wouldn't be terribly upset with any of uh, Tulane, Liberty, James Madison, uh, Toledo. I, I think uh, even Troy. I, I think any one of those would be pretty, you know, pretty fun. Uh, I, I don't really want to see a two-loss uh, AAC, AAC team in there if if SMU is to win the conference championship game. I don't think that's going to happen, but that would be... I I think that's probably the line of of demarcation for me where I am no longer super psyched about seeing it, Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. They are ranked in the AP Bowl this week, SMU is. Damn. Um, Which is pretty wild. They've won a lot of games in a row. They didn't do it against any really good teams except for Memphis because the AAC is dog shit this season. I just. I think people just haven't really watched the AAC this year and realized that it's not... Not especially good. They never do. Yeah, they never yeah. do. Um, they, they watched the USF-UCF game in, in 2018 or whenever that was, 2017 or 2018. And they're like, this is the greatest G5 conference of all time, and they haven't watched it since. Um, and uh, we're just stuck with that. We're just stuck with that until something something shifts, and I don't know what that's going to be. But hopefully it's not that. Hopefully something else happens. Uh, some good options out there. Uh, also on Friday, staying in the G5 uh, Boise State beats Air Force 27-19 and advances to the Mountain West title game against UNLV, despite UNLV losing on Saturday to San Jose State 37-31 uh, because of computer rankings in the tiebreaker system. Yeah. Uh, bummer. Kind this... of a horseshit.
1: I was, I was, I had apparently misread the Mountain West tiebreaker. Yeah. Um, And a thing that seems completely insane to me, they don't apply head to head for a three team tiebreaker, yeah. unless all three teams have played each other, um, which is ridiculous. So despite uh, San Jose State, I think it worked out where uh, Boise State was one and one, no, sorry, Boise State was one and zero, San Jose yeah. State was one and one, UNLV was zero and one. Yeah. Um, and despite that, UNLV gets to go play because of computer records. Yeah. Just um, is... losing the last weekend to a team with the same record as them. Yeah. It's bullshit. It's, it's yeah. very
0: silly. It seems like it would be very easy to just do um, record among the three teams, right? Like who has the of best course. record, or, yeah. or even just overall record, which would have put UNLV in. But like, I don't know why computer rankings would have to be. You should never, just as a, as a rule of thumb for a conference... For
1: second tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah. yeah as not, a, it's not like it's, like, number four <laughs> or five. This is the number
0: two. I, yeah, I don't break. want to see anything on there for the conference tiebreaker that says anything about a computer ranking system. No, I don't want that involved. This is... That's not how conference title races work. They are not... It's not supposed to be, like, a, you know you're putting up big numbers and and you're, you're, you know, you're impressing statistically, it's just winning or losing games. It is a, it is a, you know, that's how a conference title race works is that it doesn't matter how you do it. If you win, you will be in. And if you don't, then you won't. Um, And it, it just, it feels like kind of, you I know that all the teams technically they knew the rules ahead of of time, and, and if San Jose State had had started its stretch here where they win six of they win their last six games after starting one and five, if they had started that a week or two earlier, it would be different. Um, they very nearly beat Boise State, and it would have been a moot point at that. You know, if they, if they had done that, but to have this be <laughs> the the rule at the end of the year feels kind of like. I, I don't, it's, you're sort of breaking from what well, the spirit e- of the thing is e- at that point.
1: Even if San Jose State had beaten UNLV, I believe... Or Boise. Or, sorry, I mean, if San Jose State had beaten Boise, then I think it means UNLV still would have gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, but yeah, either way. Um, it sucks. It's a bummer. Like, I do, to some level, with, like, limitations on AAC teams playing for... Or, sorry, not AAC teams, G5 teams playing for... Um, big time bowl games, New Year's Six fans, etc. I do understand at a certain level, tiebreakers a few points down that invoke college football playoff rankings. Like I get that, right? I don't really respect it, but you're trying to maximize bowl revenue for your league. You're trying to maximize visibility, help with recruiting, all those things that matters. Yeah, But Computer rankings are fucking horseshit. Come on.
0: Yeah, we don't um, we don't need to be doing that for a conference title game. That's not that's that's nothing. We yeah. don't especially because it's am sure like yeah. yeah, like these yeah. are these are old guys setting these rules. I'm sure they're looking at the fucking Sagarin rankings or something. Like they're they're doing the dumbest yeah. possible one. They're looking at uh, at uh, it is like, the
1: BCS era rankings that they use. Collie, Massey, and two others. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, on. I guess it's
1: better than the fucking ACC Sports Source analytic one, but still, yeah. Um. Yeah, it's real horse shit, but I mean, credit to San Jose State and a great season and a strong finish to it, even if they didn't get a chance to go play for more. Yeah. Uh, credit to Boise State's kind of uh, lame duck coaching staff for finding a way to get to the conference title.
0: Yeah. Um, Weird to see yeah, that happen, but they do it. Yeah. Um, Air Force playing again without its starting quarterback just collapsed down the stretch without without Zach Larrier. Yeah. Um, he yeah four was, straight right yeah four straight and and four pretty bad ones honestly um he was i guess quite a bit more important than you would think <laughs> in a, in an era, or a, in a triple option offense which is you know if you know how the option if you know how the option functions it would not be that big of a surprise but i could understand on its face well they don't pass the ball that much why would it be a big deal this is why it, 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 there's a there's another level of execution to it that the backups just cannot attain and air force has suffered pretty severely for it now here with these four losses and, and with falling out of the conference championship game that it looked like a lock for at the beginning of this month, Uh disappointing way to end this regular season from those guys. Cause they were damn good early on in the year and they just, they just fell apart.
1: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um It sucks for them and it's, it's a tough way to end the season, but you know, um That's why depth matters. That's why development uh, and backup positions matters. And, you know, got to make it through 12 games, right? But, um, yeah, tough end of the season for them, for sure. But they had a good start. Yeah, Um, We have a game staying out west here uh, where Oregon, uh, played Oregon State, uh, took care of business and shut down Mm the Beavers in a 31-7 win. Um, man, Oregon is
0: rolling. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They, they, uh, they whooped that ass pretty severely. Uh, success rate is not the only stat in the world, but for this game, I think it tells a pretty significant story. Uh, Oregon's was 59% and Oregon state's was 38%. That'll, that'll do it. That, that, that can, that can just about cover it. Um, it was not really competitive. Bo Nix had a had a tremendous game. Again, uh, they didn't really run the ball a ton. They were they were relatively efficient when they did. I guess the game was out of hand pretty early on, so it doesn't really matter. Troy Franklin played well. Tez Johnson played well. The defense I thought was excellent. Um, they look damn good. They they look really 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 good. I have a I have kind of a hard time seeing them uh, lose to to Washington <laughs> this upcoming week. I suppose they could. They did last time, but Oregon looks like you know they they have looked like one of the best teams in the country for for quite some time now and now they have an actual quality win over a a capable opponent to to show what i think we have all been seeing but not really able to prove with any any metrics they looked good here and they they played like a very good team
1: yeah yeah they did um it it is uh they've really turned it on i mean they they played against a couple close games with usc and obviously the loss to uh to Washington, even Texas Tech early in the year, which now looks funnier the further into the year we get. Yeah, But, um, no, it's been it's been a great run for ever since then. Bo Nix used to be the Heisman favorite. Uh, he had a fantastic game. Uh, the rushing attack was slowed down somewhat this game, uh, um, but uh, it, it still kind of got um, effective plays when needed, too. Jordan James looked good. I thought Bucky Irving, despite having a pretty bad statistical output, had a couple big ones in the day. Uh, Tess Johnson and Troy Franklin were fantastic, as well. they always are. Um not a whole lot of I, I know it sounds crazy, given that Oregon State was held to seven points, but not a ton of like negative plays made by the Oregon defense. They kind of were just very efficient down to down. Yeah. Right. There was, I think, one sack and two tackles for a loss in the day and one interception. Um, not really doing anything crazy out there except just playing assignment football, getting to their spot, you know, not missing tackles, just good, solid defense. No kind of difference makers out there um just doing what you got to do to win games yeah um so i was i was pretty impressed by that and kind of the way they performed it was a it was a very good stretch yeah um uh for oregon and i i, I think they're like they're what 10 point favorites going into the washington game i think i saw
0: oh let me look i do not know exactly i, I don't it's I'm a not... nine and a half nine and a half point Damn. that's that's a lot <laughs> that's a lot of yeah. points that's a lot of points for a conference championship game um
1: but yeah. It's worth noting too that Washington hasn't like pulled away from a team, I don't know, since uh, uh September twenty third.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That would be <laughs> that would be fair to say that. Um it also hasn't lost, which is, you know, sure. no Credit credit for that. It's hard to do. Um but yeah, I I, I think that the, the the vibes are certainly on Oregon's side. We will see what that actually looks like on the field and in one of the I think one of the most exciting uh, impending conference championship games. We'll talk about the game that Washington played in a little bit. Uh, We will... I I also, before we jump into Saturday, I will say, just kind of... I'm, I'm uh, head held, head tilted a little bit. I'm looking at Jonathan Smith and Oregon State's performance in this game, given the immediate context of he was officially announced as Michigan State's new head coach, which we're going to talk about on the premium show uh, the day after this game. And it was like being reported right before this game. How much were you paying attention to this one? Because it doesn't look like your team was super locked in for the challenge that that was. Um, I don't like it when coaches do that. I, I don't like it when a when a team kind of gives out in a rivalry game and uh, you know down the stretch, like I, it's kind of bugs me. It kind of bugs me to see that. I don't know how locked how locked in he was for this for this one.
1: Ah, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, Oregon's whooped everyone's ass too. Yeah, like yeah, I, they, I think, I think the they Oregon... still
0: would have won, but uh, this was pretty lifeless from from Oregon State at times.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean uh I, I don't know i guess i would just say that they were lifeless but also oregon was attacking a weak oregon state secondary we knew like they played pretty well last week against washington in a rain game but like they have not really looked very good all year yes yeah. the secondary yeah. and i think oregon effectively attacked that with a very efficient passing game um they don't ask bo nicks to hit any crazy nfl throws but he just consistently finds open guys and gets the ball out on time with the right uh velocity and touch to it yep and um he orchestrates the offense very 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 well um and i think i think that's kind of the difference maker here yeah sure i mean like you'd like to see dj uh, Uingale have a better game you'd like to see the oregon state rushing attack do more but that oregon run defense is nasty um just uh just a tough day for oregon state i don't know how much i pin this on Lack of
0: attendance. No, yeah, I, I, am I'm, I'm operating in bad faith just because I want to complain. Um, but it does. I, I always do kind of. Yeah, I, I'm a little suspicious when that happens. When the team gets crushed and their coach immediately leaves, like I, I it makes me, it makes me wonder. They weren't going to win regardless, but it does make me wonder a little bit if his, yeah. if his heart was all the way in it, which is a bummer because this is his alma mater in their biggest, you know, rivalry game of the season. Um, would have been nice to, <laughs> would have been nice to, to be not out interviewing for other jobs during during that week. Um, but what are you gonna do? Uh, Saturday, starting it off. As I said earlier, we're gonna kick the we're gonna kick the can down the road and talk about Ohio State and Michigan at the end. So we will start with Kentucky thirty eight, Louisville thirty one. Um, Mark Stoops just not gonna lose this game. It seems like he he uh, he finds a way again. This one was crazy down the stretch. There were several turnovers. A lot of them on Louisville's side of the field, um, or just from Louisville. Jack Plummer had a really bad, ugly fumble in their own territory that Kentucky turned into a touchdown. Um, Ray Davis played really well, as Ray Davis is wont to do. Um, and Louisville made too many mistakes. This is not a team that has the margin for, for error where it can do that, especially against a, a fairly you know, quality opponent and Kentucky made them pay. Kentucky ran so many fewer plays <laughs> offensively than Louisville did, but they, they took the ball away, and they scored when they had chances to score. They were great in the red zone, um, and they won the game for it. Louisville takes its second loss, falls out of the playoff race, and could potentially completely knock the ACC out of the race this upcoming week as it plays a Florida State team that we're going to talk about in a minute as well. Did not look super convincing without Jordan Travis in in no big surprise. Uh, but we'll see, because Louisville also not not the best not the best game here from the Cardinals, and Kentucky gets it done.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mark Stoops, as you alluded to, has now won five straight and six of the last seven. Um, this guy has it fucking going uh against these guys. He he just owns Louisville. Yeah. Um I mean Louisville outgained Kentucky by over hundred yards. Uh they also won the time possession battle by 13 minutes uh they but they had more penalties uh kentucky had zero penalties in the day very disciplined football team uh louisville had three turnovers you mentioned some of those yeah um just got beaten the margins like you said a tight game like this where there's not a ton of talent differential uh it's a rivalry game in the final weekend um you have a well-coached uh defense at least uh you know the offense is kind of hit or miss for kentucky but a well-coached defense um this is what you get uh some teams take advantages of of high leverage plays and others don't um, I know all about that and, uh, Kentucky, Kentucky did that. And, um, uh, I mean, it's a great win for them. Like you said, uh, Louisville is still a chance here to win the ACC title and have a great first season, but it um, it certainly complicates things for, um, for the Cardinals kind of where they want to go. Uh, they kind of have to win that game now to play for a new year six bowl. Right. I guess yeah. unless, uh, how does that work? If they were to lose an NC state one, is there a chance NC state could go? Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah,
0: I, I don't, I, that, 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 would, that's beyond my that's beyond my where I'm looking right now. Um maybe. I, I don't I don't know. They they should win. That would be my advice to them. They should yeah, win and, and not not really make it a not make it a whole thing. Um, yeah, tough it's a tough way to end this first regular season under Braum because they had they had done so well. Obviously they're ten and two. They still had a very successful season, but this is the game that you really want to win (laughs) at the end of the season if you're Louisville every year. And to to lose it and to lose it this way where you really it kind of feels like you just let it get away from you, is I would imagine very frustrating for, for Louisville and for Louisville fans. I they're not you know, it's not a situation where they're like furious because they did still win 10 games but yeah it's damn, still a very successful yeah, year it just could have been better yeah, yeah. Brom, you gotta you gotta win you gotta win this one next year i think I, I, some, at some point louisville is gonna have to figure out a way to win this game because it has been yeah it's been a minute or also now.
1: don't lose the pit by the way
0: yeah don't lose the pit that would be a really good idea don't lose to pit this season um shouldn't have done that <laughs> not a, not a not a good way to not a good way to go about it um staying with rivalry games uh alabama 27 auburn 24 in the iron bowl i'm just i'm tired i'm tired man there's nobody nobody in the sec wants it nobody in the sec is willing to just go and beat alabama they're so beatable this team is so gettable by if you were just competent just competent and auburn had it they had it they they had a they they forced a Fourth and goal yeah. from what was it, like the twenty six or something like that? Um, after a, after a fumbled snap or a snap that went over Jalen Milrose's head. Um, thirty one. You know? 31, Jesus Christ. Uh one play. Yeah, they, they went for
1: the final twenty one minutes, except for those last thirty seconds.
0: Yeah, and they nearly had the ball back with like three minutes to go. They they forced a punt and were going to get the ball back on offense with a chance to try and ice the game and fumbled that, gave the ball back. Uh Alabama came down uh got onto the goal line lost a whole bunch of yards and then fourth and game from the 31 Auburn sends two guys in in pressure and of course neither one of them get home and provides Alabama's bad receivers with plenty of time to try and get open and eventually Isaiah Bond does in the back of the end zone and Milroe hits him credit to Milroe for for making the throw Um, he's the only player on this Alabama offense who I think is worth really much of anything as a, as a football player. Uh, the rest of these guys stink and Auburn had them dead to rights and did not finish the job, which has been an issue with teams playing Alabama all season. Somebody just fucking do it. I think George is going to take care of business for us and get, get Alabama out of here. But damn, it's just, it's frustrating. It's frustrating that nobody seems to want to beat these guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a very annoying to funk around as long as they have. I mean, they are, they're just not that good of a team. I don't know. I, I just don't really see it. Uh, it's that defense can be really nasty at times. Um, you know, they, they certainly bring a lot of pressure. I like Dallas Turner a lot. I like Terry Arnold, and like a few other players on the roster. Yeah. But, um, just as a coherent football program, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna respect Jermaine Burton who only gets open against bad football teams with like injured secondaries. Yeah. Um. There's just no one else here uh, on this team that does what you'd want to see from an elite team. I just don't think Bama. I think Bama is like uh, somewhere around the eighth or ninth best team in the country. Yeah. Uh They just, um, they just haven't been beat uh, since since that Texas game. Um. Some close calls here and there. Obviously, there's this one. Uh, they had a pre competitive game with LSU and well Tennessee as well. Nearly lost to Arkansas, nearly lost to AM. Uh there's been quite a few times all
0: season where they've been in it, but um no, they uh man, it sucked. Yeah, it sucked. Um I didn't realize so okay, so the final score was twenty seven twenty four. I thought there was a I thought they scored on that last play that the the interception or whatever it was um, Mm -hmm. that, that got returned. I thought they scored on that. I guess they didn't. Um, it doesn't really matter. The game was over. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's frustrating. I think that this is really why you brought Hugh Freeze in. If you're Auburn is to win this game is because of his ability in the past to beat Nick Saban. He did it back to back at, at Ole Miss, which basically nobody has done to, to Saban at Alabama. Uh, certainly not, from a a school with much less talent, uh, which Auburn has this year, and and they got very close, and then he didn't do it at the end of the season. And uh, you now look at their you look at their resume, and you look at the teams that they beat. It's a six and six Cal team. They beat UMass, which stinks. They think they're three and nine. They beat Samford. Um, they beat a Mississippi State team that is not going to a bowl game and fired its coach. They beat a bad Vanderbilt team. They beat a bad Arkansas team and then to close out the season in back-to-back home games they lost to New Mexico State by 21 points and they lost to Alabama at the last second um what's the point what are we doing here is this a is this a satisfactory season for you guys is this what the is this what the idea was for why you why you bring in Hugh Freeze why why you uh why you are willing to go that step and, and bring in this guy so you can go six and six with one win over a bowl team and it's a six and six it's a six and six Cal team I don't know I don't I don't really I know it's year 1, I know that they'll get better, but damn, not a great first impression here from from Ol' Hugh.
1: No, no, no it was not. Um Yeah, oh fuck man. I don't know. He's uh I I don't think he has the goods. I didn't really love this hire when it happened. No. Um I remain pretty unconvinced. We'll see. Maybe the roster gets better. I haven't followed the recruiting too much this year. I guess I can I can check that right now. Um, maybe the roster gets better. They do well in the portal, but, but as it currently stands, I've not been very impressed by them. Yeah. They have the 17th overall class in the country. That's, that's pretty solid. Yeah, that's Um, fine. And,
0: And I would guess they're probably going to do pretty well in the portal. They did pretty well in the portal last year on a, on a short timeline. Um, maybe they can do that again. I, I think we are reaching a, a you know, a point of, of, of critical mass of SEC teams that are trying to be the portal teams, right? Uh, Ole Miss obviously has been doing this for several years. Uh, Florida has uh, kind of out of necessity done some of this. South Carolina's done some of this. Tennessee, um, a lot of teams in the SEC are, are very heavily reliant on the portal right now, and I don't really know that we needed another one. Um I don't know exactly what's got, what that's going to look like long term, but as first impressions go, like I said, not a great season here from Hugh Friesen from from Auburn. I, I think that there's really there's really not a great reason to be as bad as they are at, at, at Auburn. They're just not. They don't really move the needle, and they did not they did not close this out when they had a very very good chance to. They should have won this game, and they didn't do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, it sucks them off the hook. I mean, Bama doesn't deserve this, but they're there. It is what it is. When you play in a weak conference like the SEC, sometimes you get extra chances. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, they are currently the worst among all Power 5 leagues uh-huh. in uh, in P5 versus P5 uh, non-conference games. Yeah.
0: Cool. <laughs> pretty good pretty good guys really really well done i think definitely still fully deserving of the uh all of the respect that they get despite not really doing anything this season to merit that uh that is for sure uh oklahoma state survives in double overtime against byu very nearly fucked this up they were down by a pretty good deal late in this game uh but they score three unanswered touchdowns in the third and fourth quarter to take a lead it was
1: 20 it was 24 to six about 11 minutes left in the third quarter yeah uh and still 24 13 with about 10 and a half minutes left in the fourth
0: yeah ollie gordon scores uh with 53 seconds to play to take the lead the extra point is blocked BYU comes down and kicks a field goal to tie it Uh, and then in overtime, Oklahoma State gets the job done. Uh, Ollie Gordon was out of his mind here, as he has been all season. Uh, 34 carries, 166 yards, and 5 touchdowns. He also had uh, 4 receptions for 10 yards, not a huge amount of yardage there, but he did catch the ball as well. Um, He's good. He's really good. I think that Oklahoma State, in general, is not... Really been super convincing the last couple weeks, but they find a way here to get it done. BYU completes the the classic course of I think they started five and one and finishing five and seven. That is a that's a really bad way to go five and seven. That is I I think one of the worst possible ways to go five and seven is is to do it like that. That's not what you want.
1: No, no, that is a that is a tough season, man. Yeah, um, they were but,
0: fi- okay. They were five and two. They started five and two five and then and they two. lost their last five. Yeah. That's ugly. That's an ugly way to do that.
1: Yeah, two and seven in conference, uh, tied for second to last in the league with Baylor and Houston ahead of Cincinnati. Okay. Um, not a great showing from the new teams this year. No. Uh, UCF just also went three and six. So, yeah. um, not not what you want to see from the new guys. Mm, no. Uh, took a little step <laughs> up there. Um, but Oklahoma State, a uh, good, good win for these guys. Um, really impressive to close out the way they did. They won some really good games all year. Um, I think they deserve a lot of kudos for what they put together uh over the course of the season uh i mean just uh just some of the wins they accrued were where i think were really really impressive uh I mean, this one is not i would say go in that category but i mean the wins over kansas state kansas oklahoma uh all really good games one of the more bizarre teams in the country though too uh-huh. uh like their blowout losses to south alabama and ucf nearly losing to like this shitty bau team um and also getting some really good wins together <laughs> it's uh yeah it's one of the more baffling resumes in america but uh, look, they're playing for a conference title. Yeah, uh, I you can't take that away from them.
0: Yeah, I would yeah. describe them as a 2021 Michigan State style football team. I, I think that that is where I'm at with these guys. Yeah, they have an awesome running back who can make them competitive in just about every game that they play and win them a lot of games on his own. And then they do not have a whole lot else here. Ollie Gordon, I think, deserves to be in New York for the for the Heisman Trophy uh, presentation. I don't know if he's going to be. He's one of the best players in the country. I think he is clearly. One of the most important players, if not the most important player, at at least the P five level in in the sport yeah, this five season. Five touchdowns in this one. Um, yeah. He's nasty. There's just not really a whole lot else here. Uh, credit to them for turning it around and for finding a way to uh, not only to rescue the season but to get to ten wins and to to get to the Big Twelve championship game. They have a chance to win the the conference. Um, they're gonna play Texas. Texas beat the really beat the hell out of Texas Tech on friday 57 to 7 um and we'll be looking for you know a a win to maybe send itself to the playoff if not at least keep itself in that conversation uh oklahoma state will be looking to play spoiler um fun game should be should be entertaining I, i think ollie gordon is good enough to make that a game i just i don't really like anything else on this team i think it's pretty much just him
1: yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's there's <laughs> I I agree with that, obviously. I guess uh I don't know, Brandon Presley's been a pretty solid contributor all season. He's yeah. kind of the same guy he has been in the last couple years. I know I know he fumbled this game, but uh I mean, broadly, he is just like a safety valve for their offense, the passing attack. Yeah. Um I think he's been a very effective player. But yeah, I agree. They don't really have much else besides that. Um it's uh it's a pretty grim roster, and I can't imagine like i don't know how they just keep doing this i guess it it seems like a different way every year the last few years they just keep ending up with good teams like every other season yeah um and it's never the same team each time um I guess maybe
0: that's good coaching. I don't know. Yeah. I,
1: it feels, I feel reluctant to admit that. <laughs> yeah. I,
0: yeah. I, I, uh, I'll i give a, a guy who we've talked about a lot on this show because of how active his agent is. Um, I'll give Casey Dunn, the offensive coordinator, some credit here. He's done a good job. I, I, I think he has done a, a really, really nice job this season of reworking the offense around a star running back in the middle of the season. And making it function through him, um, which is not yeah. not really the standard operating procedure there for, for Oklahoma State. I think that that is a that's a good in season adjustment. Obviously, it has it has worked out really well for them. Um, I, I think he is a I think he's a good ball coach. I I, I think that they do a they they've done a good job. Obviously, for years of adjusting in the season and finding a way to get it done. This was one of their better years in recent memory. I don't know that this is one of the better teams at Oklahoma State in recent memory, but. Ollie Gordon's one of the best players I have seen there in a long time, and, and he is, in himself, he is a, he's a, you know, a, a very, very good player. He's a very hard guy to deal with, and he makes the whole team hard to deal with because nobody has really found a way to stop him consistently. Um, he's good. He's really good. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, he's a, he's an amazing player, and uh like you said probably deserves to go to new york i don't think he will yeah uh just based on kind of like the voting looks right now but he is an amazing player and certainly he's going to be in competition with uh cody schrader or maybe a couple other guys the doke walker so yep. um great great year for him uh texas also uh won. they played on a friday night we didn't talk about that game in the friday segment but they they whooped texas tech 57 uh, to 7 they did some trolling of brett Yormark while he was in the house there um the big 12 commissioner yeah uh that will be the Oklahoma State's opponent, the Big Twelve title game. I will talk about that in length in the preview, but um Texas finally looked right after like, you know, a couple months of just playing with bad teams too yeah. tight. Yep. Um seems like they're kind of back on track and they're now favored by two touchdowns in this game.
0: Yep. Yeah, um, this is this is so. what I wanted to see, right? We talked about this on the on the watch list. I wanted to see Texas look like a top team, look like a playoff contender. They came in and they imposed their will on a bad opponent. That's what I wanted to see. They did it. Um now you got to win again. <laughs> you know it's it's not doesn't get it any easier. It gets harder. You have to play a good team, uh, but they they remain in that conversation. I think that they looked at this week finally. I, I was I was a lot more convinced by this than I have been from from anything I've seen from Texas in, in a while <laughs> in several months. Uh, this was a this was a, a comfortable, confident win for them.
1: Yeah, I think they are also in winning your in territory, mm-hmm. um, pretty much for the playoff here. Uh, I get the sense that the loser of the Pac-12 title game, obviously, if it's a workout, will not be ahead of them. If it's a Washington, I don't think they are either. Um, I think that uh, the loser of the uh, SEC title game will also not be ahead of them. If it's Bama, I think they're behind them too. Yeah. Um, I think the only teams that could be ahead of them um, are the Pac-12 winner, uh, I guess, undefeated FSU. I don't know. I think it's pretty much winning your end. I think, like, if... Georgia Michigan Pac-12 they, champion Florida State, maybe they could maybe they could get left out, but I know. Yeah. we'll see.
0: I think that they probably need hmm, I think they probably need Florida State to lose, I think that that's really the only thing that they would need uh, as well as a win, um, but I don't know that even even without Jordan Travis, if Florida State's unbeaten, I don't think that they would I don't think they'd get jumped by by Texas, I don't know that that would be.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: I that agree. That's, that's a hard sell, <laughs> you know. Like you, you. Can, it should not happen. and can't happen. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that that's the one that they that they need, um, and probably they should just be rooting for for chalk elsewhere. Try and keep any you know try try to limit one loss teams as much as you possibly can, even if they do have a, a good case against a team like Washington against a team like Alabama who they beat. Um, just it's best to avoid that entirely and to get to get chalk to get you know Georgia winning, Michigan winning um Washington winning and then Florida State losing and and you're in you're in comfortably at that point. Um I think that that would be the the easiest path obviously they also need to win their game. But Texas in pretty good position here. I don't think it's that hard to imagine Florida State losing and I think that that's really the only thing that they're going to be that they're going to be super dependent on. Uh also in the Big 12, really fun game, snow game here. Iowa State 42, Kansas State 35. Uh, stakes here, not super, not super high. Kansas State was not, was not playing for the Big 12 title game berth. It had already been locked up, but fun game, uh, kind of a rivalry. I I I guess it has a name, which means it's a rivalry, at least in, in theory. Uh, and Iowa State with, I think honestly, one of its best games, not only really of the season, but of several seasons, I I thought that the offense did, What it needed to do here. This is a a baffling box score. (laughs) If you if you've not looked at the box score for this game yet, you should go and do that. Um, Bizarre game. Uh, Always love a snow game. Iowa State had a, a ton of big plays, a ridiculous number of big plays on offense. And even though Kansas State moved the ball more efficiently big plays are, are a solution if you can if you can swing it they had a 20 percent explosive play rate in this game which is high that's a that's a big number uh, that's a much bigger number than you're gonna see in pretty much any other game this season. they were not good on a down-to-down basis but if you're getting to the end zone it doesn't really matter Iowa State with a big win here on the road impressive performance from them overall seven and five. Pretty good season for Iowa State, all things considered. I think that they, they recovered well this year from a really bad 2022 campaign.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I I have to admit I was impressed. I mean, I don't think they had – I didn't think they had that in them, basically. Yeah. Um, I, I still don't think Matt Campbell's a very good coach, and uh, I'll stick on that one. But uh, they, they played pretty well. I mean, they um, – Yeah. Their only losses come to – I guess since that Ohio loss um, – Every other team they've lost to is eight and four or better. Uh, lost to Iowa, Oklahoma, Kansas, and uh,
0: and Texas. Ohio is also um, a eight and really four good. or better. I, I will say, I oh, know fair enough. Yeah, You're right. Not a yeah, P5 yeah, yeah, team, but yeah. But Ohio fair does enough. have, You're I believe, You're nine. Right. In... My bad. They're
1: nine and three. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: That's. I mean, that's yeah. not. That's not that bad. I. You probably don't want to lose to a MAC team <laughs> just in general. <laughs> I don't know that Ohio is like one of the best MAC teams this year. They're they're. Fairly close, probably one of the best three. Yeah, probably one of the best three. Um, yeah. Probably third, I would say, given that they lost to Miami of Ohio. I don't know if they played Toledo. They would have lost to Toledo if they didn't play them. And if they did, they did lose. I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't think they played. Um, but probably still shouldn't lose that game if you're Iowa State. But other than that, I can, I can understand all the, the losses on their resume. And I think in general, they have taken care of business. And if you do that in the Big 12, you will be you'll be sitting with a a fairly good record at the end of the year. This is, this is their best win of the year, right? I don't think that they had, I don't think that they had another one on, on quite this level unless I'm just forgetting one. Um, I guess they beat Oklahoma state back in September before Oklahoma state was good. Uh, Other than that. Yeah. Not a, not a ton here. That's it's super impressive, but this is a good win. This is a really tough road win. Uh, Good season for those guys. Uh, I, I think that they, they, they've done well with some new pieces they need to they need to figure some stuff out. I think on offense, moving forward, if they want to be more than this, which has been an issue for Matt Campbell for years.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's just who he is, right? Like this is kind of where he's settled in at. I don't think it really gets better than this. I think he's just kind of there. He's the Rick of the Power Five. Yeah, <laughs> boy, that's a fun guy to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what uh, else would you
0: call him? Or, or uh, the uh, the Frank Solich of, of Iowa State? Like, yeah. It's, yeah I guess Solich had a, had some more nine win seasons yeah i think that's enough. that's yeah. about that's about fair and and like i said if you can do that roughly in the big 12 you're gonna be fairly successful and they're they're gonna be they're gonna be bowling they have a chance to get to eight wins could be a lot worse uh Kansas state uh just a kind of a disappointing season from these guys i think that they should have been better than they were and they 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 lost some dumb ones early on in the season this one i I don't quite I, I wouldn't quite say the same thing about, but I would I would have liked to see more from Kansas State than we saw this season. I think this is better than an eight win team, which is what they what they finished the regular season as. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, they are who they are. Um it, it's it's a pretty good Big Twelve year, all things considered. I think I think the top of the Big Twelve is pretty solid. The middle's not bad. Um the bottom is pretty brutal, but but a pretty good Big Twelve year all around. Uh-huh. Um hopefully a sign for things to come.
0: Yeah, um, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh Sunbelt two games here. James Madison kicks the shit out of Coastal 56 to 14, just not even competitive from Coastal. Uh and App State beats Georgia Southern 55 to 27. Uh Georgia Southern, do not think for a second that I do not see what you did at the end of this season. That is an ugly 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 way to end the year. They finished 6 and 6. App State finishes eight and four and will play in the Sun Belt title game against Troy. Somehow, App State has rebounded into a conference title berth. I don't think that that game is going to go especially well for them because Troy is a is a great deal better than App State is. But James Madison not declared eligible by the Sun Belt for that game, unfortunately, and so James Madison helps the Mountaineers out and sends them to the conference title game with their big win over Coastal.
1: Yeah, that is the uh, the Tim Beck difference at play. Uh uh-huh. for coastal. They uh they got what they asked for. Um congrats. Uh you, you earned it. Um App state yeah, I mean I guess they are technically in this game, huh? They they will play on it. They sure um, will. Um somebody has to. Woof. Man, it sucks <laughs> that this is this is like the the most successful conference in terms of average team quality in the country. And uh, this is the result we get. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the for the title game, it's yeah. a real bummer that James Maddox is not eligible, and that no one else in the Sun body stepped up to uh, to be a real threat to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As, yeah. Speaking of teams that collapsed down the stretch, Georgia State six and six. Jesus Christ, guys, you were like six yeah. and two. What happened to you? They lose to Old Dominion uh, on the line. Georgia Southern <laughs> was too, right? Yeah, Georgia, Georgia Southern also they both, finished with uh with four straight losses. Yeah, yeah. Brutal. Really, really ugly finish down the stretch. Marshall manages to get to bowl eligibility. Old Dominion manages to get to bowl eligibility. Um, but nobody outside of James Madison really with an especially impressive season in, in the East. Um and just somebody has to be there to be sacrificed to Troy and, and App State gets the call. Uh, I think Troy will probably make pretty short work of those guys because Troy is a good team, and App State is just there. Happened to be in the right place at the right time is what it is. Uh, Mm. Troy favored by a touchdown right now, mm. Uh, 6.5. That's Um, low. That is low. I don't know about all that. Um. Yeah, home game for them (laughs) too, right? It's a home game? Yeah, I think so. I believe that's how it works in mm. this in this league. Uh, <laughs> ooh, yeah, I don't know about all that. We'll see. Uh, Apple Cup, Washington with a last-second field goal to win 24-21 to over Wazoo. Not a pretty performance from, from Mike Penix, but they get the job done down the stretch when they needed to move down the field. Uh, loved the 4th-1 and one handoff to Romo Dunze to move the chains. I thought that was a, a fantastic call. Uh um, oh, yeah, great I, one. I love the aggression of doing that. I don't I I think that was the right move there. Trust your offense. You have one of the one of the most productive offenses in college football. You need a yard, figure it out, and they did. They moved the ball down the field, got themselves mm-hmm. into field goal range. Michael Penix very nearly uh gave the ball away. He had two pretty bad throws down the the last couple plays of this game. But Washington State does not take advantage. Washington hits the kick and finishes the regular season unbeaten. Um, they did it. They didn't lose. They came close <laughs> on several occasions. Uh, for really the last two months, they have been coming very close to losing games. But they didn't lose. They are unbeaten, and they will head to the Pac-12 title game against Oregon without a loss on their on their resume. Uh, great season for these guys. They They have done... They have done what i think their their potential said that they could do uh and they didn't lose any games <laughs> so it's hard to hard to complain too much
1: yeah yeah um it is a you know they got the job done right they made it this far um got a really tough one next next friday i guess with oregon but uh i mean this has been a, a fantastic season obviously uh they have relied on those star players a lot it's, it's hard to point to a, a lot besides the top three receivers mike penix and you know some games dylan johnson yeah uh, i guess they have a couple of linemen there with trice and others but uh jack westover is, good J- Yeah, you know, jack westover really conti-
0: consistently as we've talked about before contributing like the biggest play of the game and then not doing anything else love that for him yeah. that's a that's a cool kind that's of a attitude. great tight end yeah, yeah it's kind that's kind of a perfect tight end it's
1: kind of a jeff hireman <laughs> style in the yeah
0: we love that we love um, a tight end who's just good for one or two giant plays a game and then he's just kind of a, a quietly solid blocker the rest of the time it's a good guy to yeah. have on your team i i i don't uh, i don't mind that at all I guess what I'm saying is that it
1: feels like Washington has quite a few weaknesses or holes in the roster. Yeah. But the star talent they've amassed has been has done its job consistently enough to make up for that and win them games. Yeah. Um. So kudos. I mean, yeah. they they uh, they're a good ball club, man. Yeah. Uh, they they're I mean, twelve zero is very impressive. Uh, I am excited for this Friday game. I think it's probably the biggest one. Uh, I, I, Georgia Bama is going to be cool but the game I'm most excited to watch is, is Washington for sure.
0: Yep. Yep. I think that that is, I think that's fair. Uh, Two results in the CUSA Liberty also finishes its regular season unbeaten with a 42 to 28 win over UTEP, not the best performance of the year from Liberty, but they get the job done uh, and they finish the year without a loss. Um, Great season for them. They're, they're, they're very good. They are very good. And I think they're probably going to remain very good for as long as Jamie Chadwell, wants to be there I, I think he he can he can afford to be patient they're going to bring back a good chunk of this year's team for next season and they're going to be good again uh, they will play in the they will host the conference USA championship game against New Mexico State which is the other game here that we're going to talk about they win 20 to 17 over Jacksonville State. Uh, they leave no doubt about who the other team in the Houston title game should be. They had already locked it up because Jacksonville State is not eligible. But now there's no room for saying, well, if Jacksonville State was eligible, they would have been in. Nope, it would have been New Mexico State. Uh, regardless, they win the game on the on a last second field goal. They led for most of the day. They kind of fell apart in the fourth quarter and let Jacksonville State back in. But these guys are just damn good, and they find a way... Again, to pull it out, Diego Pavia had a had a fairly good game, uh, two interceptions, which is not really what you want, but he ran the ball well. He also had a fumble. Um, too many turnovers, but ran the ball well. When he wasn't turning it over, he played well, and New Mexico State just keeps on rolling. Um, they're good. They're, they're really good. That defense has been excellent down the stretch. The offense has guys who can go and make plays for you. Um, this is not a, a pushover Jacksonville State team at all, and New Mexico State gets the job done and finishes with a, a ridiculous 10-3 and 3 regular season record. Um, 10 wins in the regular season with the potential to finish with 12 wins because they played 13 regular season games um is it's that's that's crazy. It's like we talked about last week, one of if not the best seasons in program history um they are they're a wagon. They're really 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 impressive and they're really fun to watch. Uh, I'm also looking forward to the Cusa title game next week because I, I think that I think that New Mexico State is quite a bit better equipped for playing Liberty now than it was when it last played them, which was in the very early stages of the season. I think that's going to be a really fun football game
1: yeah yeah um i do as well i uh i, I still tend to like liberty in that game uh, i think the way these guys are rolling is is notable but um yeah i am i am looking forward to seeing them uh, rematch again the first one was so long ago that it feels like mexico states in a totally different place this point in the year. yeah um liberty to its credit uh has after kind of like a middle in october has really started pull away pull away in november uh they won all four games this month by
0: multiple scores yeah. um they C- are Caden Salter has ascended to another level of good. He he was not yeah. this was not his best week, but he has been putting numbers on the board. I'd say he last... was actually pretty bad this week. Yeah, <laughs> he, was not, he was not this was not his this is not a great outing from him, but they they have really in recent weeks before this one um, they've really found the right way to use him as a runner He's not the same kind of player as, as Grayson McCall is but he's a fantastic athlete he has a good arm, um, a really good arm. He is he's very very talented I, I I think he is a he's an extreme extremely dangerous weapon to have in a Chadwell offense that doesn't even really need a quarterback of that caliber as a passer. Um, they're good they're really really good and I think they're going to stay like I said I think they're going to stay good for as long as he wants to as long as he wants to stick around there.
1: It is pretty insane to have seven different players with at least 30 yards rushing. Um, you had four different players, sorry, five different players produced touchdowns. Uh, and no one caught a pass longer than eight yards in the day. And you still ended up with almost 500 yards of offense. Damn. That is a ridiculous <laughs> that, that is it. Just- that,
0: that is a Chadwell-ass team. That is exactly yes. how he wants to operate. <laughs> he has a million different weapons, and he will gladly use all of them in every game. Um, they're really hard to defend because of that. I don't know. I mean, there's just not a great way to handle that as a defense when you have so many guys who can hurt you. And he's going to continue to have those guys. He's going to continue to have access to those guys. I don't think he is in any hurry at all to 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 leave unless there's a really, really clear, great job well, available for him. We'll, we'll talk about that. Yes, yeah, maybe yeah. turn down Mississippi State, but that Houston opening has uh. gotten my eye on that. Yeah. Um, interesting. Interesting. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think he has the ability if he wants to, to be patient. Um, he was patient enough to turn away Mississippi state, which I think is a good idea. Don't need to go there. Not, not worth your time. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're good. They're really good. That's going to be a really fun game. Uh, also on Saturday, Florida state, we mentioned earlier escapes at Florida 24, 15, It was not pretty at all. It was not pretty for basically the entire game. But they close it out down the stretch. They erase a deficit and find a way to survive and finish the season unbeaten, as several other teams did. Um, Doesn't matter if it's pretty. Just matters if you win. If they win, they are in. If they lose, they are out. Um, It's going to get tougher against Louisville. I don't think Florida is especially good, Uh, and they didn't look very good in this game. They really need to. They need to run the ball better. I think just. In general, if, if you don't have Jordan Travis, you need to find a better way to run the ball than what they did in this game because uh, they're just not going to have a ton, of, a ton of success with Rotomaker at, at quarterback as a like a, a significant passer, if that's going to be a huge part of the game. They need to run the ball better, and they didn't really do it here, but they find a way, and that's all they needed to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it wins a win. Um, the Florida players were kind of melting down during this game. Mm. Uh, there were a couple near fights. There's also an incident where a Florida receiver i believe uh slapped away an assistant's hand uh there was some trying to hold him off the field and he like hit the guy's arm yeah um a little bit of a rebellion there <laughs> i don't think this team is in a very good place right now mentally mm. uh they seem pretty unfocused um which i guess happens during a five and seven season where you lose five straight to end the year yeah uh, including a couple bad teams but um man i don't know they gotta figure some shit out this year overall florida does i mean not having yeah. graham mertz obviously hurts i think with graham mertz they probably win this game um, I would agree. But yep. it's uh, still five and seven is not good enough for Florida. They don't expect that. I think Napier has one more year to show real progress and probably needs to win eight or more to keep a job.
0: Yep. I would agree with that. Uh, Georgia 31, Georgia Tech 23. Speaking of ugly wins over not very good uh, rivalry opponents, but wins all the same to finish the season unbeaten. Georgia gets it done in. Uh, one of its worst performances in a while. Um, Georgia has not looked like this in a little bit, but they still win the game. Not a huge performance here from Carson Beck. Kendall Milton did play really well and kind of rescued them down the stretch. They weren't in serious jeopardy down the run of this game. They, They did a good job defensively of keeping Georgia Tech under wraps for the most part, and Georgia Tech obviously has its own issues that contributed to that, but Georgia gets it done, and again doesn't need to be pretty just needs to be a win and that was that was what it was here
1: yeah yeah i mean obviously playing without brock bowers and lad mcconkey doesn't help no um but you'd rather have those guys healthy for uh for next week right so um i i think georgia is still a heavy favorite to beat alabama i know they're only favored by five and a half points like on the yeah uh, on the betting lines but in my mind i do not see any way this team healthy loses to alabama yeah um they are much less flawed um and, look, they were still able to completely lean on Georgia Tech with the Russian attack. Um, despite only running the football 39 times, they averaged almost seven yards per carry. Uh, you mentioned Kendall Milton down the stretch. I thought the Asian Edwards also played pretty well. Uh, Carson Beck runs it just enough to be a threat. Um, he's needed to have a great season. I mean, not really a great day for him, but overall, a great, great year for a for year one starter. Yeah. Um, a guy who just has taken on the mantle and done the job well, which is – Pretty much what you expect from every Georgia backup at this point. It seems like they just have a series of Terminator robots that that, uh, keep doing the same thing. Yep. Um, It sucks. Yeah, it sucks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It sure does. Um, Yeah, I will say good luck on that one to Alabama. I don't know. I don't know about all that. That seems that seems generous. Five and a half seems pretty, pretty kind to Alabama, given its issues and and Georgia's strength. But we'll see. Uh, Last one here before we talk about the big one. Uh, NC state really no trouble with North Carolina 39 to 20 uh 10 win season still in play for the Wolfpack. They could finally break through and get a 20 year uh dry spell for them that they could snap. Uh, we've talked about it before. Very funny to do that with this specific team which is worse than last year's and and really worse than they have been in several years, but sometimes that's how it goes. Uh you, you never really yeah. know how the schedule is going to break out. I think that they had a pretty favorable one this year and they beat a, a North Carolina program that just does not have any juice. They are juiceless. They've got nothing going on. Um, they stink. They're they they, they they're just not, they're not serious. They close out the season as I think understandably you, you could imagine that they would have just not, not good, not a good team.
1: No, no. Um, they don't care about football enough. That is their nope. problem. Nope. Um, they don't like the game um I guess credit here to Bernard Armstrong who played well yeah. um he is a quarterback we make fun of a lot because he's usually very shitty but he was good in this one um I thought uh Peyton Wilson was also absolutely fucking brilliant uh-huh. uh he had 15 tackles a sack two tackles for a loss interception um I mean he was all over the field Talked a lot of shit afterwards, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he sent a message out to North Carolina recruits if they want to play for a team that has culture to come to Raleigh, um, which is some great shit talk. Talk your shit, Um, King. Yeah, he's
0: earned it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like you said about the streak, by the way, Yeah, the last time they won 10 or more games was 2002 with uh, Chuck Amato. Yeah. Uh, They won 11 games that year. It is the only time in school history they won ten or more. Uh, they have won nine games five times since. Yeah, uh, I believe three or four of them are under Dave Doran. Um, it would be pretty funny if this is the year. I guess. Yeah, it'd be very, very amusing to me. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'd be. I think it would. I would find it hilarious. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Doran's a hell of a ball coach, man. I mean, yeah, he just finds a way to win these games. And the only three losses they have, they lost to that Duke team when it was healthy, uh, mostly. Uh, they lost to a ranked Louisville and a ranked Notre Dame. Uh, Louisville game by one score, in Notre Dame very early in the year. Yeah, uh, if you get one of those three back, you're probably I mean you're playing for an ACC title, and uh, the whole result looks a lot different. So, yeah. I mean, um, big credit to these guys for for having a great season. And uh, the defense keeps doing it, man. I mean, they gave up twenty in this game, twenty eight week prior, but before that, it was six points to Miami, six points to Wake Forest. They have held everybody except like Marshall and Notre Dame. Yeah. To very few points. Yeah. Which is a funny combo of teams. Yeah.
0: Tony (laughs) Gibson, as we have said on this show before, good ball coach. (laughs) The man knows how to coordinate a defense. Not the best guy, but a good ball coach. Yeah, good ball coach. (laughs) And sometimes that is what counts. Um, I'd probably say the same for Dave Doran. I don't know that I would really want to hang out with Dave Doran, but found a way <laughs> they, they, yeah, and they keep asking us to yeah which is weird i don't want to do it i don't know why they keep yeah he, he keeps texting me he's like hey you want to you want to come to the bar and i'm like not really dave <laughs> dave i don't yeah. really want to do that he, i'm gonna be honest with you he, he, yeah tony gibson keeps sending me on instagram dm's i'm in
1: your city tonight with the devil face emoji smiling yeah. i'm like what do you mean by that so yeah. like, what are you tra- what's going on here Oh, well, have
0: fun um um yeah <laughs> oh i i have just i have just received some breaking news ryan on the podcast we are not uh, talking about coaching hires on this one, but this is news, and I do want to get your live reaction to it. It, it appears that Mike Elko is going to be the next head coach at Texas A&M. Um, that, is the, that is the reporting that is out there right now. Uh, immediate reaction. What do, you, what do you think? Don't really get it. I okay. think it's a
1: dumb hire. Okay. Um, I think that Mike is very bad at booster management, which would not play well with the Aggies. Mm. Um, he doesn't have any ties to the region except his previous time spent at A&M um he is a very good dc for sure but as a head coach the results have not been anything uh, like spectacular i mean eight and five and now seven and five right are the two results so far um nothing it's duke it's not an easy job but like i haven't seen like an overwhelming enough performance to think to me that like this is a guy that needs to have a job this big Uh um i don't get why you would do this over jeff trailer or over even like Lane Kiffin
0: or Mark Stoops, who you almost hired yesterday. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: to be fair, I didn't love the Stoops idea either.
0: Yeah, no, I, uh, that's, that's fair. I just, I don't really know. I don't really know exactly what Elko has done that Stoops hasn't done in kind of a similar position. Um, I guess he has, you know, the ties uh, to to the school. Yeah, he's hub. like six he, years younger, maybe. Six yeah, six years <laughs> younger. He's done it for less time and in a different worse conference. I, I don't know. That uh, <laughs> seems. If you're gonna do that, I, I don't really know that. Like, I don't know that you need to to have it leak that you're hiring Stoops and then publicly you you decline you deny that and you have like a power struggle while you're doing that for the sake of mm-hmm. hiring Mike Elko. That's a lot of. That's a lot of They're work. We're doing it
1: for Billy Lucci to get more clicks, that's why.
0: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's a, yeah. that's, a, that's a cool approach, yeah. Um, but it looks like it will be okay. So worth uh worth mentioning. All right, let's do it. Let's talk about the game. Uh Michigan 30, Ohio State 24. Uh Ohio State has a chance down the stretch on the last drive to try and come down and win it after a Michigan drive stalls out a long Michigan drive stalls out and they kick a field goal. Uh but Kyle McCord is hit as he throws with not very much time left on the clock. And Rod Moore comes up with the interception to seal Michigan's third straight win in this game. Um, Ryan, where are you at here right now?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, it's as I do every year, I always talk myself into my team winning a game or winning all of it because I'm a fan. That's what we do. Yeah. Right. It's kind of the job, Um, but it is with very clear eyes now that I think we've known for a while on this podcast and I, it seems like a larger chunk of Ohio State fans are thank fucking God starting to realize uh, that Ryan Day doesn't have the goods, right? No. Like I'm not trying to take a win away from Michigan. Uh, I thought Michigan did a good job creating some explosives in the rushing attack in this game, which I didn't think they'd be able to do. Um, I thought that by and large they executed. I mean, they didn't have any major mistakes, right? Michigan did its job pretty flawlessly. They didn't turn the ball over. Um, they didn't take many penalties. Uh, they they had I think that's what three for 34 yards. Um, they held the ball longer, they wore Ohio State's defense down, uh, They, I think they won the lines of scrimmage, I think the Ohio State defensive line, once again, Larry Johnson failed to show up in the biggest moments, uh, as it always does. Um, it's just the same critiques of the Ohio State program I've been making for two, three, four years now, Yeah, um, doing the same thing again, right, it's the special teams errors, uh, it's the terrible game management and like cowardice from Ryan Day. Yeah,, uh, it is the like shrinking of the playbook to your most simple basic plays that everyone knows are coming uh-huh. uh, in the most key moments. It's the lack of aggression. um it is the strength and conditioning program uh, pro- problems you know reeling their head with uh, yeah. Um, you know, with getting pushed at the line of scrimmage with players being injured, key players, um, it is having your worst defensive performance of the season, your biggest games. Yeah. Um, which I think is a problem of only having four defensive coaches on staff. The only ones in the country trying to do that. Uh, it drives me fucking nuts. Um, you know, it's a problem of your offense having its worst moments, biggest games. Other than last year's Georgia game, it's been true pretty much every time he plays good teams. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't really know what you're getting out of Ryan day. Uh, people can point this loss on comic order if they want to and i thought kyle was terrible but Ryan, Day directly handpicked him over the quarterback, on the other side of the football field. Yeah. Uh, who went 16 of 20 and uh, had some key throws against him. Yeah.
0: And, um, and this is also like, this is year three from McCord. He should be better than this. It's like, yeah. What, year Three for a five star. Yeah. yeah what, is, mean, what is, what is, what is Ryan day giving you if not consistent development of star quarterbacks? Like that's his whole thing. That's the only yeah. thing that he, and big that he offensive does. Performances. Yeah. And big yeah. offensive yeah. performances, neither of which Ohio state had in this, in this game um, like the idea of, well, what's he supposed to do? He can't always have a great quarterback. Then it's like, well, what else does he do for you then? What else is, what else are you getting from the quarterback's coach, the offensive coordinator, the guy who is the quarterback guru? Um, if not a good quarterback every season, I don't know why it's like, oh, well, you know, it's not his fault that his quarterback is bad. It's like, that is his fault. That's the only thing he does. That's his whole thing. That's his, that's his entire coaching career. The reason he has the job Is because you wanted elite quarterback play to go with the the you know the wide receiver recruiting that Brian Hartline provides and the skill talent that they have on offense every year, Um, all of that stuff. There's like no, you can't have. Sorry, you can't have a down year with quarterbacks. That's that you're the quarterbacks guy. You don't get to have a down year. That's not a. That's not a, a. Uh, You know a luxury that is afforded to you when that's your whole thing you need to do that you can't what else are you doing if not and and it's not
1: like the guys right behind them are like obvious slam dunk side right yeah Devin Brown we saw this year didn't look very good he was a player they scrambled to take after the Quinn Ewers transfer uh, to backfill for him. Uh, which was also poor roster management, not having control of the situation. Yeah. Um. You know, you have Lincoln Keenholz, who was not really a top recruit. He's a guy they took late again because their first guy didn't develop. It wasn't very good after they took him. Uh-huh. Um. So that's kind of... There have been a few misses. Um. I don't think they're exactly missing out on Drew Aller based on what we've seen, but you let a, a five-star Ohio kid go elsewhere, Um. who he has had some good games this season. I mean, if I also think he sucks, I'm not advocating for Drew Aller here. But... um. I think, yeah, like Ryan Day's best things are creating an effective offense in big games and uh, and developing quarterbacks. And we're not seeing either of those. He doesn't win in big games. I mean, he's now uh one and six against top off opponents. Yeah. Um he is 0 nine on his self stated three goals to the program, uh the last three years, which are beat Michigan, win the big ten and compete for national championships. He has done none of those things for three straight years. Yeah. Um. He also pretty much etched in the rivalry that you know Michigan. Michigan won three straight against Ohio State. Right. The narrative of the rivalry is completely flipped. Yeah. Even if Michigan does get like kind of sent back to the stone age by the NCAA sanctions, which I, to be clear, I do expect to happen. Uh, and I think Michigan's not like in a strong place as a program going forward because of that. Yeah. I also don't think after watching again, I'm not trying to shoot on Michigan here. They had a they've had a great season, right? They want their 12 and 0. Yeah. They beat Ohio State again. Um. They're going to go to the playoff. They're going to beat Iowa. Um, I don't think Michigan could compete with a, a Georgia and Oregon, some of these top teams. I don't think they're good enough to beat those teams. Yeah. Um, but they're in the dance again, which Ohio state is not, uh, it's now missed the playoff into the last three years. Um, I like, I guess my question is what do you have to show for these years of Ryan day? Right? Like you got the revenge game against Clemson in the Mickey mouse COVID season, um, you got a big win over Michigan State. It was immediately qualified by getting your ass beat by Michigan. Um, you've also lost to them three different ways in three different years. Uh-huh. It's a Ryan Day problem. You've had their players calling you out as not being tough. Um, again, you know, you have them shit-talking. You have Jesse Minter waving you off the field. Uh, you have these guys who own you now uh, because of Ryan Day's shortcomings. Um it's it's very frustrating obviously to say the fucking least it is um it's it's embarrassing for the program uh it is i mean the expectation is to beat these guys i don't think again the michigan's a very good football team i don't think they were juggernaut like i didn't watch that team and see the fucking infamous bruce Feldman article about like 22 nfl players on michigan's team right like i don't look out there and see elite nfl talent or an unstoppable team that dominates the rest of the country. Uh, this team has looked worse since the sign stealing stuff happens. Since the Harbaugh dismissal. Um, we know that, but, um, they won the game, man. They won the game. And, uh, now they can say that the sign ceiling wasn't part of why they won. I mean, I don't really buy that. I think the scoring margin shows it was a big difference, but, um, they can say it, they can talk all their shit. I'll take it all online. I've, uh, got a few hundred comments <laughs> on Twitter since. Yeah. And, uh, it's part of the deal, man. You expect it. It is what it is. Uh, you ryan day personally allowed like the worst people in the world to have have fun for a third year in a row and to uh feel like they're on top of the world and just watch the most like snug smug rather they're snug right now but the most smug like reddit pencil neck fucking nerds uh enjoy this win
0: again and it's uh it's fucking miserable and disgusting to see yeah (laughs) yeah i'll uh it's something that you referenced earlier when we were talking about the the louisville kentucky game and that certainly you you and Everybody else has, has talked about with this game and with Day is, is you know, this has been an issue for, for basically his entire tenure. Um, the difference in this game, you know, statistically, there's really not a whole lot to separate the two. Ohio State had a better success rate by eight percentage points. Um, yeah. Ohio yeah. State, Michigan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ohio State moved the ball fairly well and had plenty of scoring chances. The biggest difference was the the high leverage plays. It was the high leverage moments. It was the biggest moments of the game. Where you have, you know, at the end of the first half, Ohio State deciding that it is just good with a 52-yard field goal. I think it was 50. It was it was longer than their kicker Jaden Fielding has ever hit before in his career, going back to the high school level. And of course, he didn't hit it. Um, they didn't need to do that. They could have kept going and either tried to find a touchdown or at least just make it a little bit more of a reasonable kick. They had time on the clock to do that. 37 seconds in a timeout. Yeah, yeah, that's plenty. (laughs) That's plenty of time. I don't think it was fourth down unless I'm just remembering incorrectly. Um, Um, Off the top. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. Regardless, should have gotten closer than that. And it's the same thing he did against Georgia last year in the playoff. Um, the high leverage moments, he just kind of turtles and, and is not aggressive in the way that you would think he would be based on his public persona and, and the way that he's talked about. He's not actually an aggressive coach, and we've talked about this before. Um, He's just not. He's he's very conservative. I think he's more conservative than most of the coaches at top-end programs right now, even guys like Kirby, you know, who are known as more conservative defensive guys. I don't think that the, he just doesn't really have that... Yeah, it's hard to quantify, but the the killer instinct in these games, he he coaches scared and it, it extends to his team. You have that one at the end of the first half. You have, you know, down the stretch of the game, just in big moments when there was a chance to, to flip the game, uh, Michigan made plays and Ohio State didn't. And there were times where Ohio State looked really good. Um, that drive early on in the second half where they just ran the ball down the field felt to me as I was watching live. And I think did to a lot of people like, oh shit, this, this one is, this one is shifting. The momentum here is shifting. Ohio state's running the ball, um, you know, in, in a way that they really haven't in this game in the last three years. Uh, and then they went away from it. (laughs) They just didn't really do it again. And I don't know exactly why that was. And then you get down the stretch of the game Michigan just grinding out yards, burning the clock. Uh, Ohio State's strength and conditioning issues showing up again. This has happened several times this season against, you know, talented opponents. This happened against Notre Dame, um, where the, uh, the opposing offense is able to just run out a lot of clock and really very slowly, meticulously work its way down the field on an exhausted defense and an exhausted defensive front. Um, they just, in those biggest moments, they did not deliver. And you have the turnovers, you have two interceptions from McCord. Second one wasn't really, you know, on him. I I think that the, the, that was a, that was a Donovan Jackson error there where he gets pancaked and the pressure gets, gets through. Um, but the first one was certainly on McCord. It was not a good throw. Um, and just in in the biggest moments of the game, Ohio State did not get the plays that Michigan did. Michigan finds a way. Michigan, I, I thought, in those high leverage moments was aggressive. You know, they went for it on fourth down in several occasions. um They just look more confident, and, and they have for for three years now. And that is a reflection yeah. of of coaching. I mean, their coach
1: believed in them to make plays, right? Yeah. Like that's the difference. Is like Ryan Day. Wants to take the ball away from his team, and prevent mistakes at any given moment. Yeah, uh, Michigan's coach, I mean Shroom Moore in this game, and Jim Harbaugh in the past, uh, trust their players to to go out there and make plays for them to win in high leverage moments. It happens several times. That, yeah. that's just the story, right? Which, like which, is the, is...
0: which is the inverse of how it was for you know 20 years in this game. Uh, for, for, for sure, for, for quite some time, that was what flipped the rivalry under Tressel was that aggression and that 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 confidence. The confident team usually wins this game, and, and Ohio State just looks like a team that's coached by a guy who isn't really all that confident in anything that he's doing or confident in his players to, to deliver. And, and, you know, yeah. they, they, they didn't. <laughs> and so it's, it's a uh, kind of a, a, a chicken and egg situation, but like, yeah, the defensive line didn't play well. I, I don't think Jack Sawyer or JT to had especially compelling games. Um, Kyle McCord didn't play well. And, they just, they looked like a team whose coach doesn't really trust them and they played tight down the stretch and and Michigan won and Ohio state didn't because of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a hundred percent true. Um, I I mean, I don't know what else to say about it, man. It's, it's a Ryan day problem. Like I I don't think the program is like falling apart. I, I do think these players Um, they don't care about it and they don't respect or like fear the rivalry enough. They don't have the same energy for it. And now it's the second starting quarterback in a row that said, it's just another game. Uh, Kyle McCord said it before the game. Yeah. Um, And the
0: the day it's just a football game. There's just Uh, just no reason to ever say that. If you're, if you're on either one of these teams, you don't ever want to be in a position before this game where you're saying that that's not, it's not true. And also it's really bad optics. You don't, don't say that right. shit. Somebody should tell them not to say that. I don't know why no one's telling them not to say that. Don't do that. That's a bad idea.
1: Yeah, and I mean, with the number of times it happens, like, like I, I'll say this. I'll, I offered on Twitter as well. I'll offer a Mia culpa to CJ Stroud. Uh, I was totally wrong about him. It's not. It was not his fault. It was not his demeanor or his personality. It is a program problem. He acted the way he did because of the way Ryan Day acts. Yeah. Um, it is Ryan Day has a program and a culture that does not place the appropriate importance on this game. That is terrified of big games and big moments, that does not want to compete in those games. Yeah. Um, they never want to get up for the big game. They don't want to get off the mat. They don't want to fight. Yeah. Um, and that's a Ryan Day problem, uh, top to bottom. Uh it's it's just him, man. I don't know what else to say. It's him. Like, and sure, could he improve around the margins? Maybe like, I think Michigan will get worse. I think there's going to be major, you know, I think they're going to have a coaching change. Gonna they going to be scholarship productions coming. They have like 44 yeah.
0: seniors, right? They have a lot of seniors. It's going to be... Yeah, of that's course. T- that's and tough like, to replace. Could, yeah.
1: <laughs> he could beat Michigan next year. It's entirely possible. I'm, I'm sure it could happen. Uh, it, maybe it will. I don't know. But, like, the thing is, even if he gets past that point, why would you ever trust him in a game against a top five team? He's yeah. shown you who he is a million times over. We yeah. know who this guy is. Yeah. Um, he's not going to... Like, people are making this false choice on Twitter all the time about, oh, would you rather beat Michigan and win national championships? And we're not doing both because it's not specifically a Michigan problem. Like, I do think it is a problem. He doesn't have enough emphasis in this game, doesn't understand it, all these things. But it's a big game problem because Ryan Day turtles and collapses and, and shits his pants at big games. Um, yeah. It's him. And, he like, again, maybe he could improve around the margins, right? Maybe he fires Parker Fleming. Maybe he finally learns his fucking lesson, this dipshit. Uh, about coaching staff alignment and has a full cop on defensive coaches. Maybe he finally gets rid of his bad C coach. Maybe he finally you know puts in a defensive line coach who actually meshes with his defensive philosophy. Um, maybe he he knows what it looks like to prepare for a big game and, and be aggressive in it. And maybe he finally, next year, with his back against the wall when he undoubtedly will have a hot seat going the next season. Um, maybe he finally feels that pressure and starts calling big games and acting like they're, they're, they're games to win. Um, I don't believe that though. I don't believe that's the case. Maybe he'll start going to the transfer portal and kind of replacing players that are average are not good enough have to play here. You know, Josh Fryer at right tackle, um, quarterback with Kyle McCormick, will go get Riley Leonard or somebody. Maybe all of that happens. And maybe those improvements around the margins are enough to, to get to eke out one title or to go on a great season and, uh, and at least get into a championship game again. I don't know. Maybe that's possible. I have no faith that will happen because every previous mistake he's made has never, has never resulted in learning his lessons or learning what to change from it yeah like sure he fired Kerry combs and brought in uh jim knowles after that mistake but that is a situation where you had one of the worst dcs of all time and a guy he personally disliked yeah um who he realized was the wrong hire he had no experience like he didn't understand the larger point about the way he structures his program and his defenses and his staffs he didn't he doesn't reflect on what it actually takes to be great at college football he doesn't prepare anything for big games there's no special wrinkles we saw if anything you see less of the playbook Big games from him. Yeah. Um, his quarterbacks play worse. They prepare worse. You, you just don't see this shit from him against good teams. He doesn't have it, man.
0: Yeah. And and I'll leave, you know, I'll, I'll I don't know how much more we have to say about this, but I will take the, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll at least gesture towards the other side of the game because Michigan also played. Um, And I'll give Michigan, yeah, of course, I'll yeah. give, yeah, I'll give like, because I know that there are, you know, Michigan fans listening who are probably. Uh, screaming at the phone to say like, yeah, well, you know, Michigan also was involved. Like, yeah, Michigan was also involved and Michigan has done very well in the last three years of preparing for this game and of doing the things that we've just talked about with Ohio State not doing, of taking it with the appropriate level of seriousness and, and, and giving this game the the focus that it needs to, to you know, for you to be successful. Uh, playing with confidence, Sharon Moore, I thought called a called a really good game. I thought Michigan in general did very well of, you know, pretty much doing what it needed to do here to win this one. Um, it was not a perfect game from Michigan's offense. I, I, I think that they just still kind of some weirdness there, some some glitchiness with some of the stuff that they're doing, but they ran the ball really well down the stretch. Uh, J.J. McCarthy did not have a huge game, but he took care of the football. Generally, I think he made good decisions. Um, he extended plays, which Kyle McCord is not capable of doing. And you, you see the difference. I, I think Michigan's defense stepped up in the biggest moments and, and made plays, had some really big hits. Um, Mike Sanders still, I think, specifically delivered a couple big hits. Um, QJ as well had some big hits. I don't know his full name. I just see him referred to as QJ. Um, he had some big hits. And, and in those in those biggest moments, somebody has to go and take it. And Michigan consistently... Did that? I, I think that they are they've they've done an extremely good job of being up for this game and understanding what it requires. Um, I, I I would agree that I don't think like you know extending beyond this they're going to beat Iowa pretty comfortably, and I I think that they have they will have a chance <laughs> in the playoff. I don't know that this is a national championship team just because of some of those those limitations, some of the weirdness within the offense. Um, I, I don't know how confident I am. I think last year's Michigan team looked better at this point than, than this year's does pretty clearly. Doesn't mean that they can't win in the playoff, but I don't know that I would pick them too. Uh, but this is the most important game of the regular season for both of these teams, really the most important game of the season for these teams. And for three years now under, you know, in, in three very different ways, Michigan has gotten it done and Ohio state hasn't, um, um, they are, they're, they're, they're just, they have the advantage here. They have the confidence advantage. They are better prepared. They have a, a better, the, the, their staff alignment, I think is better. The, the game day stuff is better. Um They're better. <laughs> they were better here they were better last year. They were better the year before that. Uh, the, the margin changes and you know, whatever the cause of that is, I know we have our, we have our disagreements on. Uh, I don't think we need to go into a ton of detail on that. People know where we stand with all of that stuff, and, and that certainly plays a role. But, like, Michigan went and won the game, and when it needed to, it made the plays that it had to make. Um, this is just, they've, they've flipped it. They have flipped the the status of this rivalry. They have flipped the emotional, uh, you know, kind of advantage in their favor. Um, and they, again, I think they were the better team, and they they won for it
1: yeah oh yeah man i um i agree i, I don't know i mean I, I don't know if i have much else to say about it it's uh it's just another frustrating and inevitable end uh it will keep going this way for as long as ryan day is employed i have been doing my best to post mike rabel into existence and maybe he he gets a phone call and and considers it seriously the idea of hey man look like if, if you come back and save the program you go back to college in a few years get a better co- sorry get a Go back to the pros in a few years, get a better pro job, and uh, don't get stuck with this Tennessee rebuild. We're going to get put in the hook for a team that's not your fault. Uh, why not Why not come back to Ohio State and fix this rivalry and set the tone again? Uh, maybe that happens. I doubt it. Um, maybe Fickle is a great year in Wisconsin next year and looks good enough that they feel ready to move on from Ryan Day, but it feels like we are stuck with Ryan Day for next season again, and uh, the same thing will happen once again.
0: Yep, I would agree with that. Uh, I don't think we have anything else from this week, Ryan, Unless you've unless you've got anything, we'll get out of here.
1: No, we'll do the, uh, premium. I'll record with you tomorrow. Yep. Uh, talk about the coaching changes and yeah, that's all I got. All right. We will talk to you
0: all soon.